0: Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. Well, not only is it among the most prominent proclamations heard throughout the story of Christmas, it's perhaps one of the most important of all, and it's this, fear not, do not be afraid. That's what we're talking about in today's message, one that is part of our current Advent and Christmas sermon series, which is called Proclamations, and it's based on the Nativity stories found in the Gospels of Luke and Matthew. It is interesting to note that at just about every significant juncture of the Christmas story, There arrives a heavenly messenger to proclaim, do not be afraid, or in the beautiful parlance of the old King James Version of Holy Scripture, fear not. This figures prominently in both of our texts for this morning. In Luke, the angel Gabriel says this to Mary as he announces to her that she's to bear a child that will be called the Son of God. And and over in Matthew, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream to assure him that he ought not be afraid to take Mary as his wife, since the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It's also, by the way, there in what might be referred to as the prequel story of Old Zechariah. Zechariah, as you might recall, was the temple priest and he was the father of John the Baptist. And according to that story in uh, Luke chapter 1, the angel meets Zechariah at the altar of the Lord to proclaim that his prayers and the prayers of the whole world have been heard by God. And of course, Zechariah was terrified and the angel did say, don't be afraid. And then there is perhaps the most familiar fear not of all, the one that's proclaimed unto the shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. So what we have here are four remarkable encounters in the nativity story alone in which good news of great joy is preceded by abject fear and is quickly alleviated by a firm, angelic proclamation. Biblically speaking, of course, this is nothing new, right? In fact, here's a bit of not-so-trivial Bible trivia. Throughout the Old and New Testaments, there are up to 365 instances where fear not is proclaimed in one fashion or another. A message of fearlessness once for every day of the year. Now, not that these messages were immediately embraced as such. For one thing, the world of the Bible was by its very nature fearful and frightening. And there was nothing uh, that was going to change that. Moreover, friends, in ancient times, there was an acute awareness of spiritual forces intruding into people's lives and shaping their destinies. That uh, is sort of a, a, a common thread that runs all through the Old Testament in particular. So for these people of the biblical story to suddenly be in the presence of divinity, even when it was good news, albeit unexpected good news being delivered, you can understand when it was more than a little bit, Unsettling, but even more than unsettling, it was often downright terrifying. All this to say is that things are different now. Such is our familiarity with the biblical story is that the kind of fear of which we speak here has been much forgotten, both by the world and by Christians in general. In the words of the late walter wangren we rush towards angels unafraid we approach the blazing furnaces of seraphim with no more apprehension than children who reach laughingly towards the fire it is a sign of a character of this present age he writes even at christmas rarely if ever are you and i greatly troubled at the prospect of angels appearing. And come Christmas Eve, as we return to this remarkable story, we swiftly move, do we not, from being sore afraid, to use the King James Version again, and we go straight to the long-awaited good news of great joy. Fear not, most certainly, of all the proclamations we have been Revisiting throughout this Advent season, this would seem to be the one that doesn't really apply to you and me. Or does it? Maybe we aren't those of an age when the appearance of angels would compel us to be, as Scripture often says it, prostrate on the ground. Although may I offer as an aside here, if such a thing were to happen to you or me, I would hope that we would respond to that divine intervention with the proper level of awe and reverence. I hope that we wouldn't just look over and say, oh, yeah, an angel, and then go back to business. (laughs) But all of that said, this is not to say that you and I can ever claim in any way, shape, or form to be living without the kind of deep-seated, abject fear that sometimes is described in Scripture. Of course not. It's just that our fear tends to be more, shall we say, pragmatic. Our fear has to do with questions like, What's the future going to hold for us? Are we still going to have a job in the new year? Will we somehow manage to get through the holidays and beyond without catching COVID? What are we going to do if something happens to somebody we love? And dare I say, what's going to happen to this nation and to this world if things don't start straightening out pretty quick? That's what we get scared about. There's no question that we live in a fearful world. And if we're being honest, we have to confess that our minds and hearts are all too often filled with worries and fears, and not just about what we see on the news, not just about what's going on out there. We're also afraid of what's going on in here. Psychologists, by the way, tell us that, that there are in fact, four basic kinds of fears that most of us at one time or another have faced. Four. First, there's the fear of loss, which is the fear that we will lose someone or something close to us. Second, there's the fear of failure. That is that despite whatever we make, we still will fall short at just about everything. Third, there is the fear of rejection. You know this, the fear that people wouldn't love us if they knew us for who we truly are. And fourth and finally, the fear of the unknown. In other words, all the stuff that might just happen if we put ourselves out there in any way, shape, or form. Fear of loss, fear of failure. Fear of rejection, fear of the unknown. Have I touched the nerve yet? So yes, we we do know what it is to be filled with fear, don't we? So how wonderful it is on this last Sunday of Advent that we get to hear the angel's proclamation to not be afraid to fear not in the midst of all that happens in this dark and unsettled world, as well as anything and everything that you and I will encounter along the way. To live our lives not out of fear of any kind, but to live it with hope, with peace, with joy, and with love. And to do it because God is with us. Among the many interesting aspects of the Annunciation story from Luke that Cindy read to us is that we never actually hear Mary say that she's afraid. Rather, we're told by Luke that she was much perplexed by the angel Gabriel's words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Perplexed. Now, granted, that's a pretty good translation, as I understand it. And also, there are other translations that suggest that Mary was troubled about this greeting from the angel. But even with that said, it really does seem to undersell what was really going on. Mary had to have been filled to overflowing with fear. I mean, she's young, she's unmarried, and she is with child in the in that time and place and with all that implies but here's the thing and i quote here the lutheran pastor and writer janet hunt mary along with all those others who have heard the angels urging to leave fear behind apparently did just that she did just that as she heard god's own call to something more than she could possibly have imagined all on her own. Certainly, Mary had plenty of reasons to be afraid. But ultimately, Mary also understood that God was there. And thus, she could willingly, joyfully, and and without fear, declare herself to be a servant of the Lord, a handmaiden of the Lord, as the King James story tells it. To be there according to God's purpose and plan for the world. A plan that came to pass because God was with us. Likewise with Joseph. For whom, says David Lose, Christmas is not so much a story of wonder as it is a story of heartache. I love that quote. Joseph as Matthew tells the story is a righteous man. Not only faithful to the law, not only in keeping with everything he had, uh, he knew in faith, but also because he was a kind and upstanding and honorable man, wanted to spare Mary shame. He did not wish to cause her more embarrassment than necessary. But even given all this about Joseph, he also had to have been feeling this incredible fear about everything going on. Because let's be clear here, this whole situation with Mary being with child, this was bathed in scandal. And no doubt Joseph's blood ran cold as he considered all of the harsh, immediate, and legal consequences of anybody finding out about Mary's pregnancy. And this fear that Joseph was feeling was only gonna get worse as Mary's due date drew near. And then there was this business of the arduous and government mandated journey to Joseph's hometown of Bethlehem. And yet, you heard the story, In that fateful dream, the angel comes to Joseph to assure him that God is at work and that he could, in fact, lay down his fear about it because Joseph also had a role to play in this incredible plan that God was putting into motion to bring about salvation. A plan that was coming to fruition because God is with us. What's interesting to me about these stories is that in both cases, these angelic encounters, the the call to fear not is followed by faithful action. In other words, there's more going on here than empty promises. After all, we all know that telling someone not to be afraid is only as good as the assurance that there's something better something more favorable than the fear about to pass. Well, that's how it is for us, friends. Writes the Reverend Dr. Jeremy Myers, who is a pastor and author out of Indiana. Christmas, he says, reminds us that we have been provided with a solid foundation for faith through that baby in the manger, Jesus. We are reminded... That though life can be difficult and is uncertain, God is with us. We can trust that even when it seems that God is silent at times, the fact is he hears us. The fact is, is that divine help is on the way. We all know this, concludes Myers, because we have been provided good news. Good news of great joy for all people. We need not fear, you see, because God is with us in Jesus our Emmanuel. Well, like most of you, I imagine, Lisa and I have been watching a fair number of Christmas movies and television shows over the last few weeks. I don't want to overstate it here, but let's just say that already we've seen elf Christmas Vacation, and Christmas with the Cranks more time than any human being should be allowed to watch them. And when you can recite the dialogue along with these movies, you are in trouble. And the fact is, I love these movies. We love watching them. They are kind of part of our holiday celebrations. But i got to tell you, friends, that my absolute favorite of these specials has always been a Charlie Brown Christmas. First broadcast in 1965, it remains one of the most enduring and beloved of all the Christmas shows of that era, and as it turns out, it remains one of the most unique, in that it, as you know, includes a reading from the King James Version of the Christmas Story from Luke, and that was something you didn't see in a television cartoon even back then. The story goes, I have a book about the making of this special, and it says in that book that at one point early on in creating this special, CBS, who ran the special originally, the producers of the show and Coca-Cola, who were one of the sponsors of the show, actually came to Charles Schultz, who created Peanuts, of course, and they told him that they needed to take out that particular part of the show. We can't do this, they said to him. It's too religious. But to his everlasting credit, Schultz dug in his heels, basically told them, you're going to do this, or I'm not going to be involved, we're not going to do this. And then he replied, if we don't do it, who else can? We're the only ones who can do it. And of course, that is probably Arguably one of the most memorable Christmas scenes of all of the specials on television. In fact, there's one aspect of this wonderful scene for as many times as I have seen it that I only discovered a few years ago. Now, you remember the story, right? Charlie Brown is trying to direct a Christmas pageant. He has just gotten gotten this a little pathetic little tree, what has become known as the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. But in the end, when the kids make fun of him about it, he gets so frustrated with the whole endeavor and with the commercialism of the holiday, he finally throws his head back and, with great anguish shouts, isn't there anyone who can tell me what Christmas is all about? And that's when Linus, and I have a little Linus here... (laughs) Susan gave this to me a couple years ago. It's one of my personal Christmas decorations here. That's when Linus, dragging this ever-present security blanket along with him, takes the stage to recite the angel's words to the shepherds about the birth of the Christ child. It is, for my money, one of the most beautiful and most sincere renderings of that passage of scripture ever. And the young actor who did the voice for Linus was only seven years old at the time. But the best part comes, as it turns out, in the animation. Because at the very moment, you can go look at this at YouTube. I think it's on public television tonight. Go back and watch this. At the very moment that Linus reads the verse, and the angel said to them, fear not, Linus drops his blanket. Linus, who was never, ever without that security blanket, Linus, who had faced constant ridicule from the rest of the kids because he wouldn't give that blanket up, drops the blanket at that specific moment when the angel says, fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of a great joy." It's also at that very moment that Linus's face lights up as though the angel's message was sufficient to overcome everything else in the world, including the need for a security blanket. There's a Christian musician, author, and blogger by the name of Jason Swarovski, who says it beautifully when he writes that this scene in A Charlie Brown Christmas is so simple It's brilliant. The birth of Jesus, he says, separates us from our fears. The birth of Jesus allows us to drop the false security that we have been grasping so tightly and learn to trust and cling to God instead. Of course, it needs to be added here that after Linus is done with the reading, he picks up his security blanket, just like before, and he walks back to Charlie Brown. So maybe Linus's fear didn't go away completely, or maybe I'm just overthinking it. But if you've ever seen the show, then you had to notice that Linus and then Charlie Brown came away from that knowing what it is to fear not, and then could embrace that truth wholly as their own. And that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. It's been said, you know, that joy is an act of fierce defiance in a fear-mongering world. We all have fear. It's a fearsome world. But when we choose to drop our fear, we make room for joy, and we pave the way for divine and infinite love. And we can do it, beloved, because God is with us. He is with us in Jesus our Emmanuel whose birth draws ever closer in the manger of Bethlehem and of whom's salvation the angels sing. God comes so that we might again know that we need not be afraid and that fear never has to be the driving force in our lives or in this world. Fear not, for unto us is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And for this and so much more, May our thanks truly be unto God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, Fear Not, part of this year's Advent and Christmas sermon series that we're calling Proclamations. It was recorded during our December the 19th service of worship at East Congregational Church in Concord, New Hampshire, By the way, all through this holiday season, we'd like to invite you to our live in-person services of worship, which happen every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road in Concord. We're also going to be gathering at 7 p.m. on Christmas Eve for a candlelight service of worship and celebration, and we'd love to have you there as well. You can join us for these services, or you can join us live online. We do that via Facebook Live on our East Congregational Church Facebook page. We'd love it if you could sh- be a part of this blessed season with us. And with that, we come to the close of this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening. And until next time, stay safe, be well, have a wonderful Christmas season. And may God bless you with a great day every day. Talk to you soon.